Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. Graham Mackay, editorial cartoonist of the Hamilton Spectator, in studio for the brightest conversation in Hamilton radio. Here on Friday, we do this every Friday. Not always with Graham, but we do this every Friday. And Graham, we're watching, we got the TV on in the studio, and as you know, all mm. day, all day yesterday, the day before, all day today, for days now, we have been gearing up for Hurricane Florence Henderson. <laughs> Yes. I think it's actually just Hurricane Florence. Yeah. <laughs> Florence Henderson is the mother from the There's Brady Bunch. That's a different. Memes. Yes. memes, yeah. But I cannot help but think that as I'm watching this, mm. when stations like CNN have special music that has been composed for a slide that yeah. comes on and all this stuff, it's almost become weather porn. Like, it's not like yeah. we're watching a storm that we are terrified is going to cause the loss of life mm-hmm. or damage millions or trillions of dollars in property. It's mm-hmm. how big can this storm be? How exciting can this storm yeah. be? It's almost like they wish that there's yes. going to be carnage. And so the lead up to it is all this. And I, I know that dramatic music because they play this, this this thunderous kind of stuff. And it's like, you know, what... We're going to give you updated uh, information on as soon as we get the information from our many correspondents throughout the the South, and it it was a bit much, I got to say. Well, and they seem, I mean, and again, maybe I'm being unfair, but they almost, and this is not just CNN by any stretch, they all seem disappointed when it's downgraded from a four to a three. Oh, it's just a really well. It has a chance to go back up to a four. I mean, mm-hmm, you're mm. you're wishing, mm-hmm. and I'm looking at this saying, what other thing in life that is going to cause the kind of destruction as this storm, would we actually be on TV mm-hmm. rooting for almost to get bigger? Oh, the fire is big and it's taken out yeah. three city blocks, but boy, it could get a little wind and take over the mm-hmm. whole city. Mm-hmm. We don't do that. Oh, uh, what's also is interesting is that there's a big massive cyclone that's hitting f- the Philippines mm-hmm. and it's going to make its way up China. And that is a category five, and it's actually going over territory now and wreaking a lot of havoc with a lot of poor people. But you don't have the <laughs> the multitude of correspondents there looking to, to see how things are, are going there. So you get that whole disparity there between this massive but not so massive thing hitting the United States and then this truly horrible thing that's hitting the uh, Philippines. But am I, am I misinterpreting this or does it come across that this has become entertainment mm-hmm. more than weather reporting? It's also a diversion too. Like, look, look what we were talking about a few days ago, uh, in the United States, it's, it's nonstop Trump. So all of a sudden that's kind of been in the past. We had that whole Manafort thing that happened earlier today that he's going to speak to, uh, uh, what, what is Mueller? Mueller exactly, and uh, and meanwhile, this whole thing with the hurricane is happening, but it's now downgraded to a tropical storm, which is so disappointing. Yeah. I say with my you know a tongue in cheek because, but it does. The, I, I guarantee you, there were people who were going home thinking, "I'm going to go home and watch the storm today. <laughs> I'm going to go home and watch turn on CNN and watch the storm." I'm gonna and what what's watch? I mean, you're watching a bunch of guys and gals who are blowing. You know, with their hair blowing all over the place. You're so. talking about the, the actual, jur- the journalists the who journalist, are the holding on to a light pole. <laughs> <laughs> and they're getting wet, you know? Uh, the moistened wet. journalists. Exactly. So we've, we've seen that before. They make lovely cartoons, by the way, because uh, I, I didn't do it, but I'm sure there's going to be a, a whole bunch of weekend cartoons mocking, you know, our brothers and sisters in the broadcasting field who have gone overboard with the coverage here. 
But did, why are we so apparently fascinated by this then? Because we clearly are. If they're, they're not doing this, all this stuff, unless there is an interest level there that they believe people tune in to watch. Why are we so fascinated mm-hmm. by a storm? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mother Nature, isn't that a, a fascinating thing? What they well, could, it is. Well, you, you, everyone, and I, it does. It does bring everyone together. You, it doesn't matter whether you're Democrat or Republican, you know, it doesn't choose who to hit and who to miss. This is a, something that, you know, you, you get a lot of the happy stories that come out of, of hurricanes and that sort. And sure enough, there's going to be some tragedy. There's already been some tragedy, but you're going to have a lot of good stories. And that's what is perfect to a lot of these uh, networks. True. Although there is a second part of this, which someone wrote about today and I read it and I thought it was very insightful. And that is that we have, well, not so much we, Americans with the divisions in that country have basically now weaponized weather Mm -hmm. that you're almost whoever is in power, Mm -hmm. whichever president is in power, the people who are against him are almost hoping that things go horribly wrong so it looks bad on mm-hmm. him, that the Republicans wanted mm-hmm. it to go bad when it was Obama in, in office. And they, and if you follow Twitter and stuff today, there are people who are, it looks like rooting for it to go horrible. So Donald Trump ends up looking Very terrible. So. How have we weaponized weather now? How, yeah. do, how is whoever's in the office, the White House, well, responsible for how, what, what tornado or hurricane mm-hmm. lands? Mm-hmm. Well... Trump gets it because he went to Puerto Rico and was throwing a bunch of rolls of paper towel to the people. That that was a symbolic thing that you can't you know, make up. This is something that was mockable, remockable. Uh, and George W. Bush, of course, he 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 failed with uh, the hurricane Katrina. That went through, uh, Katrina, yeah, uh, with New Orleans. Um, I I can't think maybe because of the bias of the media what uh, Obama stumbled on. Did he? Did he ever? I don't know. I can't, I can't remember. It wasn't really me- weaponized back in the Obama administration. Well, the, the intent, the intention was, I think the, I think there were Republicans who wanted it to go, whatever, to go badly because it would look bad yep. on him. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Uh, Graham McKay in studio Hello. with me for the brightest conversation Hamilton Radio. We were talking about this, this hurricane and our apparent abundant fascination with this because ratings, TV spending, you know, putting all kinds of effort and all kinds of time. And I don't remember back when, I don't know, 20 years ago, I don't remember us, I say us, the media, I don't remember it being covered like this, Mm -hmm. the storms. Now I know you're going to, people can argue, well, we've got more of them because it's global warming and whatever. I, I just, in general, I don't remember this kind of thing. I remember Hurricane David. I don't know when that was. I think it was 1979. And for whatever reason, that rings a bell. And that was when I I first became aware that there was such thing as news. And it was a huge uh, hurricane. And for whatever reason, I knew about that in southern Ontario. But that was before Hmm. CNN or any of the 24-hour news. So it it had to be a pretty big hurricane. I think... go way back to Hurricane Hazel. Everyone knew about mm-hmm. that because it affected people up here. Right. And that was a truly damaging thing. But, but now you get every little minor hurricane. And of course, this is the first hurricane of the year or the second one, I guess. But when did we get to the point when we did have the people standing on the beaches, mm-hmm. wearing the ponchos? And I remember the last time, I can't remember which storm it was last time. Who's the, uh, the CNN anchor who's the brother of the uh, Cuomo? 
Yeah, Andrew Cuomo. Who, Andrew Cuomo. who, so he's standing out on the beach and he, I guess he works a few hours a day and then spends the rest of the day in the gym because he's mm-hmm. just jacked. Mm-hmm. And they had him standing out there getting poured on, wearing the tightest shirt he could possibly right. wear. <laughs> right. And I was like, wait, this is not even weather reporting anymore. Right, this is, right. so, I don't know what this is. Right. Christopher Cuomo, that's the name. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Andrew is the governor. They, I, they drag out, uh, they, they drag out the big stars. I don't know if Wolf Blitzer has been out covering it, but, uh, the guy who comes Anderson after, Cooper does. Anderson, Anderson, Anderson Cooper, Cooper they, is they out bring there. him down. Is it because there's palm trees around and, you know, they get to stay in luxurious, uh, hotels that there's no one actually there. So they get to rent out the whole uh, place to, to, to CNN. I don't know. They must have a big party though. It must be like a, an annual spectacle for these 24 hour news people to go to. I mean, that there's the weather, hurricane teams that roll in and you go, Hey Bob, nice yeah, to I, see I you again. I think it's kind of convention time for them. It, it, it's, it, the whole thing to me, as I say, and the reason I bring this up, there's no, there's no understating the damage that these are going to do. You see the pictures and the flooding and everything that's going on right now, even though it's been downgraded, as you say, to a tropical storm, and I don't even have the most current update. Um, but I mean, the, the images that are coming out of there, they're terrible, the pictures, Mm -hmm. but it all just, the lead up and everything else, it all just seems sort of celebratory. It is. And it it feels odd to me. It feels awkward to me. Very predictable. Yeah. But it all feels very awkward and it all feels very rooting for the storm to grow. We really want a cat. We want it to become a category five. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We really want it to be a five because we've not had a five. Uh, Maybe Katrina was a five. I don't know. But do we not get our own things like this here in Canada with big blizzards? Like we, we sort of wait for that to happen. We know there's going to be something. Snowmageddon. Yeah. Snowmageddon or Snowcopolis or, you know, there's, we have our own as well. And we do. It's a nice break from the, the tedium of the news. And all of a sudden everyone focuses on that. Uh, The problem is we're a big country, right? But down in the U.S., you got the East Coast being affected by a hurricane. You still have a massive. Nobody in California no. is affected. No, but I bet they're tuning in. Do you have twenty-four hour news on the fires happening in in California? No, I don't, I don't think so. No, and that and again that comes to my. So we hear updates. Oh, there's these huge brush fires. There's forest fires, whatever in California, but they don't have the they don't have someone stand. Well, thankfully they don't have someone standing in the middle of it. That would mm-hmm. be kind of stupid. <laughs> um, but I mean, they don't have people right there with 24 hour coverage of this stuff. How much do you think it has to do with, um, insurance companies and ad revenue and that sort of thing? Interesting. Might be involved in that. You know what? Now that you say it, I'm going to start, if I watch any, and I haven't been, but if I do turn on, I'm going to start paying attention and seeing if there are insurance companies. I think there are. Advertising during the hurricane coverage. That's a very interesting idea. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I've been tuned into it, actually. I, I can follow uh, the CNN feed from work, and I've been listening to it, and there are insurance companies, uh, medical insurance, and then uh, damage insurance. So they're, of course, they're capitalizing on this. If that is driving this, then I'm even less impressed yeah, than I would have been before. When I, thought it was, when I thought it was just for ratings, I was sort of distressed because you've got people who will be dying, but if it's actually for ratings and because we can sell ads, that's, we're getting into some sad territory here. Well, I might be a bit cynical there, but I'm a cartoonist. Look for a cartoon on this one next week, perhaps (laughs) with some sort of a Hamilton angle. Yeah. Hurricane Fred. (laughs) Hurricane Fred. I don't know. 
or uh, or, or Hurricane Vito, depending on your political views. Or- I I. <laughs> I, I I got to think that if you are one of the people they name a really damaging hurricane after, though, we got to go to a break, but that really stinks. <laughs> I mean, I, years ago in 1989, I was a summer student at The Spectator. I finished my job. I went off and drove around the States for fun because I didn't have a job. And I ended up in the Carolinas when Hurricane Hugo hit. And I was thinking even then, it would stink to be named Hugo <laughs> right now. Like you say, Hugo, and all people think about is a killer storm. They don't think, oh, he's a lovely man, our neighbor, Hugo. All right. So Florence, everybody named Florence right now is being given the stink eye. Well, can they only be Spanish or English? I, uh, you don't no. hear like Hurricane Dimitri or Hurricane... Well, eventually. Because every year, every year it's all men mm-hmm. and then women and it's alphabetical. So Florence, so the next one would have to be G or H or uh, whatever, but it can't be, and you can't repeat them. Right. So you can have Hurricane Maurice or Hurricane... Sure. Uh, <laughs> think of any sort Hurricane of... Graham. <laughs> okay. Sure. <laughs> Someday. <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Graham McKay, by the way, from the Hamilton Spectator, editorial cartoonist, is in studio with me. You will be down autographing copies of your You Might Be From Hamilton If book tomorrow, correct? That's after I do my air guitar performance <laughs> at the East. At the main stage? Stage. No, East. Far East stage. Yes, I will um, be signing books at the Hamilton store from 3 o'clock to 7 uh, you might be from Hamilton if uh, the book came out last year uh, but Donna Reed the lovely owner of the shop has me in with three other two other artists and uh, yeah it's it's going to be a, a, a fun filled day of art and entertainment there do you know where Hamilton the Hamilton store, store is? Uh, the Hamilton store is a, is directly across from the armories oh okay so on James Street North it's on James Street North yep. yeah okay so yeah, so if you're downtown, if you're going down, if you're wandering down there, stop in, say hi to Graham, buy a copy of the book. It's a great book. If you are from this city, you will get the humor for sure. Yes. If every you, toilet lid needs this book. Yes. <laughs> right? <laughs> well, every, yes, every bathroom, at least, at least <laughs> one for your house. But yes, if you're from Hamilton, you will certainly get the humor. If you're not from Hamilton... I don't know. Will they get all the humor if they... I, I, I think sold so. the book to many people who are not from Hamilton. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I should actually mention, um, my wife, uh, Wendy, is traveling up on I-79 right now, and she's listening to us right now, so I want to say a, a big shout out to Lammy Pants. Well. <laughs> <laughs> she's on her way up. She's escaping the hurricane, and she's... She, she done was a down. week of making America good. She was again. down in the uh, Virginia area, was she not? By use of West Virginia. Well, you know what today is. I, let me wish her and all others down there. Today is National Virginia Day. Not West Virginia, but National Virginia. It's close, close enough. enough. Close enough. It's also National Eat a Hoagie Day. I like the second one better, quite honestly. <laughs> but it's, um, and it's also National Cream Filled Donut Day, which I like even more. That sounds combine, like a West Virginia kind of holiday. Combine though. the three and you've got a day. <laughs> right. You have got a day. Oh, and with you here, today is National Live Creative Day. It all fits well, in together. There you go. I'm it glad to be It all fits in together. What an honor. Um, speaking of cartooning, because that's what you do. For those who are just tuning in, Graham is the editorial cartoonist of The Spectator. It's a job that is, um, well, I mean, we'll get to this in a moment. It is a job that uh, while it is fun, I am assuming the, the product, the end product is fun. It's work to do it. It also, I know from hearing you talk about it before, has the propensity to push buttons. Yeah. 
there are people who, even when it's funny or zingy, take it hard. Yeah, yeah. Correct? You get you yeah. get some nasty feedback. There are people who who need to be instructed on the importance and the and the need for satire in our democracy, for sure. Which is? The need for democracy? Yeah, the, no, the need for satire. I know the need well, the for need, democracy. It, it goes hand in hand with our the principles of a free society. You know, we... We have opposition in a in a country and and in in a democracy we have laws that allow for freedom of expression which I fully embrace as it, with my job which is uh, putting truth to power uh, you know popping the egos the uh, when keeping the keeping the politicians in check let's say. Um, and there's something about a cartoon honestly there's something about a cartoon that is vastly different from a cranky column or whatever else you can you can get away with with drawing things that you can't necessarily write in a column well and when you say sort of pop the ego balloon of a politician you can you can take a politician or anyone else down Mm -hmm. a few notches in really short funny order with Mm -hmm. a biting cartoon exactly and uh you know, I have a lot of joy doing it. And y- you obviously have to have a little bit of knowledge in, in, in government and politics and that sort of thing. Um, I, I have a lot more fun actually uh, hitting our local uh, politicians because really there's me and maybe a couple other people in the city that draw editorial cartoons. And whereas a guy like Trump or, or even Ford, they get tons and tons of uh, satire directed their way. It's our job to keep our local politicians accountable. Uh, well, the reason I bring this up, among other things, but I also wanted to tell people about the signing tomorrow. Uh, the reason I bring this up is because there was a cartoonist, an editorial cartoonist that ended up in the eye, speaking of a hurricane last segment, who ended up in the eye of a hurricane this week uh, regarding Serena Williams. We know the story of Serena Williams. She had a mm, bit of a meltdown, bit of a tantrum, whatever you want to call it, in the U.S. Open based on the umpire's rulings towards her. And an editorial cartoonist in Australia drew a cartoon that, let's just say it fired people up and he was accused of racism and sexism and every other ism. Mm-hmm. And the issue around the cartoon, I I don't think, Graham, that the main issue was a disagreement with whether or not she was at fault or anything like that. The disagreement was within the visual portrayal because she was... There were a lot of her features that were exaggerated. Right. Well, Mark Knight is the cartoonist. Yep. I've, I've, I'm not familiar with his work, although I suddenly did become familiar with his work this past week. He's with the Herald Sun, which is very, it's a very conservative uh, paper. I, Rupert Murdoch, I think, runs the okay. paper. And so right off the bat, he's got enemies <laughs> uh, because his his stuff is going to be obviously geared to more of a right wing uh, position. And obviously, this is this is something that's going to rile up. Just the mere position that he takes on this is going to rile up people who are very much fans of Serena's. Um, but is part of your job, or, well, or any cartoonist, is is cartooning not? A lot of times, regardless of who the subject of your cartoon, is a lot of it not exaggeration? When you draw Fred Eisenberger, his face becomes really long and his eyes become really droopy and it's not a, it's not a portrait. Right. It's a cartoon. So you exaggerate features. Yeah. Well, and and it's the other thing to point out, I'm a male and I'm a middle-aged male (laughs) and I'm a white guy. So it's much easier for me to draw within my race and my 
gender, in fact. When you step outside your gender, when you step out your race, you're, you're going to provoke. Um, Let me ask you that question. So if you were to draw city council, members of city council from Hamilton, for example, because it's something you're very familiar with and people around here are familiar with, mm-hmm. you can take, and you have taken, uh, to great effect, huge artistic license with certain members of council whose features become exaggerated and it's a hilarious thing when you see them. Mm-hmm. Can you do that with Judy Partridge? Can you do that with Donna Skelly when she was there with other women? Is it more difficult? It is. It is definitely more difficult. Um, and I like to, I like to call myself uh, uh, an equalitist when it comes to that, but y- you when, when we're living in a city like this, you 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 run aclo- across these these personalities, and you you know it's it's much easier to uh, ridicule a woman who's on a federal level or on a uh, international level than it is someone that you're going to bump into. Uh, more so than if I was to bump into uh, Eisenberger, you know, I he knows it comes with the 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 game politics. With women, though, it is different. Uh, Judy Partridge. You, you mentioned her name. She's actually fun to draw, <laughs> and I've I've been very amused to to draw her. Uh, and, uh, and you know, just because they're women doesn't stop me from drawing them. But it is tricky. But again, let's go to the point that you part of what most cartoonists that I see is exaggerating features. When you draw Justin Trudeau now, his you know his nose gets longer and his chin and his hair and everything. It's all. But if you had, and uh, certainly nobody we've talked about to this point, but if you had a heavier woman let's say, who was in politics or something else that you were going to draw, you you would be killed today if you suddenly exaggerated her weight and made her mm-hmm. enormous. You could mm-hmm. probably get away with it if it was a guy to some degree. Yeah. Well, there's the weight thing, but I've also, I've had people complain to me just on social media the way I depict uh, Christia Freeland. It's like, like, why do you draw her so ugly? Uh, the same could be said, I just drew uh, Carolyn Mulroney in, in today's cartoon. And I'm, I'm thinking, wow, I'm drawing her to look kind of like Christia Freeland. So I'm waiting for the, the women to call up and say, why do you draw them so ugly? Well, I draw men. Most of them are ugly the way I depict them. Um, I, I don't think the way I, I draw Christia Freeland was necessarily ugly. She's, she's got certain features that it's you exaggerate. You exaggerate. However, Christia Freeland doesn't come from a race that was ridiculed in the 1920s and the 30s. So how do you then draw... If you were going to draw Serena Williams, now what he did was he was drawing Serena Williams enraged. Mm-hmm. How do you draw then a cartoon of someone who is black and you don't then perpetuate the angry black woman it's stereotype? Very difficult. Or, or do you just find a different topic? <laughs> you know, well, for one thing, I, it's a sports topic. You're right. But in, I'm saying for him. Would he have been better to just stay away and say, leave this topic alone? Or is it, or is that troubling to say, no, that topic is off limits? It's not off limits, no. And there's plenty of other cartoonists who did the same topic, but they weren't being raked across the, the coals for, for what they drew. I think it just goes back to the way she, he depicted the, the very exaggerated lips. The hair in that style is very reminiscent of the uh, racist cartoons that came out in the 1920s and the 30s. Um, so it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. You just got to be careful. You have to be very careful. And this is what happened after Obama was uh, elected president. There were all kinds of cartoonists that got in trouble because uh, I think a lot of his supporters uh, felt they they needed to, you know, come to his rescue or support or whatever. 
And some people, you know, use their liberties of exaggeration, that sort of thing. And, and they were subject to a lot of, well, of anger. Well, Saturday Night Live got ripped a bunch of times during the Obama administration for not poking fun. He was the first president they never really went after and had fun with. And the feeling was, how do you do that without being accused of being racist? And that was, and whether they did or didn't, I mean, it they was pretty they, gentle. I remember they did and it was gentle, but you also get the bias and there. there's a liberal bias. They didn't do um But they did Clinton. Of, they went after Clinton They hard. did. They did. The, but what about Canada? Where is the um, the great caricatures of Justin Trudeau on shows like uh, This Hour is 22 Minutes? I don't see them. They did uh, Harper and they did uh, they did Ignatieff, but well, for whatever reason, they're not going after Trudeau. And I think he would be a wonderful person to caricature. I, I love caricaturing Trudeau. Yeah, and you do it often and you do it well. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This I, this story I saw this week fascinated me, and I'm not entirely sure why, but it really interested me. There is a film that is coming out. It's called Island, and it is a documentary of sorts, and it deals with a controversial topic, and that is death. It is a movie that is not made up. It's not, when I say death, it's not like a Rambo shoot em up Mm-hmm. with bodies just falling over. It's the real mm-hmm. story of ill, failing people in palliative care in a, in a, um, a, in a hospice. Topic. Well, no, a but, it's, but it's a topic that everyone's going to experience and we're Obviously. all going to either you personally, well, yes, personally, someday, and it's mm-hmm. one of the lesser known unreported stories in Hamilton. Sure. We have a 100% mortality rate, yes, eventually. <laughs> um, but this story is about the... It's a documentary about dying and where this movie has really all of a sudden generated controversy is that it actually, and they say for the first time, I don't know if it's the first time, but they say for the first time, the film shows a person dying, lying on their bed as they take their last breaths. And it's like a seven minute scene of this terminally ill patient who is in his final minutes of life and his breathing slows and slows and then he dies. And that is, it seems wildly controversial. Why is that? Oh, I find death fascinating. Do I you? love death. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm, love I, death. I do genealogy and I love going to graveyards and, and stuff like that. So, uh, but the process, the process is oh. controversial of filming it and watching it. Would you watch that? I don't know. I watch TVO and they are, they're always showing people dying on TVO. But did they those, show those the minute of British. death, the moment of death? This seems to be the thing. Not that they're um, dying, not that they are, and they, and we've seen dead bodies before. Well, these shows on the, uh, medically assisted suicide, I've seen a few of those documentaries where they actually show the people th- going through the process of dying. But, uh, So if we all die and we know that we all will eventually, if we all die, why would it be controversial to show that? It's a, it's, it's something that people don't want to talk about. They never want to talk about death. Uh, it's, you know, planning for your funerals. No one wants to talk about that. It's, it's yeah, an important I, thing that we got to do. Like I, I just, uh, redid my, um, health card or driver's license and somewhere, uh, y- y- you fill out your donor card mm-hmm. and how many people don't do that because they can't confront their own death. Aretha Franklin didn't have a will. No, crazy. 90 or a hundred million dollars in her estate and didn't have a will. And now the lawyers are going to get all of it well, because if you, if she wouldn't. Dude, if you, if you're going into a hospice, 
that that should almost be one of the requirements. Have you filled out a will? Yeah, but at that point, it may be too <laughs> late. But but you're you're 100 right with the idea that we don't want to face it. We don't want to think about it. We want to put it off. If I don't think about it, somehow we believe it won't happen, mm-hmm. which is lunacy. Mm. I mean, it, I if I if I, I don't think about the edge of this cliff, I won't fall off it. No, that's not how it works. Mm-hmm. It's, but. You're right. We don't want to, but this, for this movie to be getting this kind of controversy, I just, I mean, we film literally, we've shown in movies, literally everything. There is a, how many billion dollar industry is porn? I mean, we have turned filming sex into one of the, well, probably the biggest thing on the internet. We film everything. Mm -hmm. And yet this is somehow driving people to distraction because we filmed someone taking his final breath. Yeah, I mean, I think some people are going to be upset. I I would be fascinated to see that show, and I'm I'm sure I'm not the only one. That's, uh, you know, some people, if if you've lived a good life, and I think when you get old, and we don't know it because we're middle-aged guys, but I'm sure if you you go to an 80-year-old and and ask them about death, there are people who are probably, would would freak them out, but I I think a vast majority would say they've lived a good life and they're they're ready to, to say goodbye to the world. The part about this also that I find odd is how many death scenes have we seen in movies? Mm-hmm. And I'm not talking about actual deaths where people have portrayed dying. Mm-hmm. And we don't have a problem with that. I mean, we've seen every bad actor have a death scene that is overwrought and overblown mm-hmm. and he's gasping and clutching and then all of a sudden just boom, gone. Mm-hmm. And, w- you know, we, we, we may think it looks ridiculous, but we, we don't seem to have a problem with watching people pretend to die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's just, um, I think what we all wish, if we are going to talk about it, we all want to, we want to have a good death, which is you go to sleep and you don't wake up. Wouldn't that be a nice way to die? You don't want to like die a violent death or anything like that. True enough. You don't want to have to suffer. 100%. Uh, you don't want to, um, I, I guess you, you want to have some control in the way that you die. I guess that's why you have the medical assisted suicide thing. Um, but you know, no one, anyone that any of your loved ones that you know, it's almost like you can't say they died the perfect way. I, I, I was just thinking about this the other day and, um, you know, I, my, my, my own mother died and I, I know she used to talk a lot about death and that sort of thing. And, my God, I wish she was still, if she, if she, only I could hear what she had to say about dying, you know, the, w- the way that she used to talk about it. It'd Crazy question. Were you there when she died? No, no. Okay. I, I saw her a few hours after she died and she died on, on her. But you, you said that the, dr- that what most people would want to have the situation where they just comfortably drift off to sleep and mm-hmm. that's, well, in this movie, according to what I'm reading, that's exactly what happens here that he just, the breathing slows down and mm-hmm. he just dies. And I'm thinking, I, I agree with you. I agree a hundred percent that we all would say my dream, since I have to die at some point, my dream mm-hmm. is not to get hit by a truck and not to be shot and not to right. be having a, just go to sleep and not wake up. So this person, the film is someone who is, has a chronic illness. Yes. And, he's and in palliative care. He's right. in a hospice. Right. He knows he's dying. He knows he's being filmed. That's another thing. There's no secret here. Is it They've being been medically induced him. though, or is he just, they just catch, capture him when he has his last breath? Um, it, it, I'll read the, this is from the Guardian, the, uh, the newspaper over in Europe. Uh, in, for seven minutes, Alan's drawn out breaths become further spread apart until they stop. Medicated to blankness. 
He goes gentle into the night thanks to the unfailing dedication of the hospice team who've carefully managed his death over two days. It is, Mm -hmm. by description, as peaceful and Mm -hmm. ideal a way if you're going to Mm -hmm. die as you could have. And even then, this is causing people... Mm-hmm. Great concept, which which almost makes me wonder if the people who are upset about this are the ones who should be the controversy as opposed to the filmmaker. Yeah. If you can't wrap your head around the fact that someday you're going to die. Mm-hmm. I think one of the, the greatest honors, truthfully, would be someone who can actually watch their loved one die and be there and hold their hand or whatever and and be there at the moment of their last breath. I think there's something to be said about that, that, uh, you know, you're, you're actually in your death, you're actually teaching your descendants, your loved ones, um, that you can go peacefully from this world. And I think that's, that's, that's an education right there. It, it just, it, it is so interesting to me, this, this story that we have so many movies, TV shows, whatever else that are just loaded with every kind of gratuitous violence. And we're okay with that. Having, mm-hmm. having, a, you know, a huge star make $20 million to be in a movie where he blows endless people away. Mm-hmm. Or video games too. Or video, but we're, we're cool with that. We're great with that. We'll pay the money to go to the theater and this guy will make 20 million bucks to do that. Mm-hmm. But you show someone in palliative care dying peacefully in a necessary and natural extension of the end of their life. And we freak out. Mm-hmm. It's an, it's an odd, we're an odd people. Well, I guess maybe it's a cultural thing. I, I think in other cultures, they deal with it a lot better than we do. That, I think, is another good point. I think there's a lot of cultures that are willing to accept death as a part of life more mm-hmm. than us. I mean, look, what is our, in, well, maybe not our entire, I was going to say, what's our entire medical system based on? Maybe not the entire medical system, but a huge part of our medical system is on extending life mm-hmm. at all costs, mm-hmm. extending life. Mm-hmm. Well, they also... They, they also choose to end life, uh, you know, and, and I think that's an important point to make. I mean, countless people in the medical profession has watch, have watched people die and it's almost better to see them dead than to suffer in the last few days that they, they have had lived. Um, and I guess people who are not medically trained have a problem with that. People who can't pull the plug on their loved ones. There's, yeah, there's issues with those people as well. You know, even when you know, dead and that sort of thing. yeah, even when you know there's going to be no life left for them. The, the only the only part of this, Graham, that I I do wonder about is if this person who is in this film, who is who is in this scene, who dies, if this was a loved one of mine, yes, they have to die. Yes, they're sick. Yes, we want them to be peaceful. Do we want their death shown over and over and over and over and over again? Cause it's in a movie. That would be the one part about it that I would, mm-hmm. you know, do we really want to have them artistically anyway, die hundreds, thousands of times, or is their death just. It, it's almost like the donor car. If you sign up to that sort of thing, then you're, it's a form of education or you're donating, you know, something to another life. I mean. I, I just think uh, if you've signed up on a donor card and you've signed up on, on documenting your death, that's the same kind of thing. I think you're doing something for society and it's up for the person, that, that human being, uh, to decide. I don't think it's up to the, the family, even though that the family often gets to choose whether uh, 
a loved one's body parts can be donated, even though that person might have signed off and said, yes, donate everything of mine. Yes, show my death on camera. Uh, but unfortunately, the, the dead don't really have a voice, do they? As we go to break, see, I would, I would, I would be way less, if this was me, I would be way less skittish about them showing my death on film, capturing my death on film and showing it in a movie like this weirdly than I would donating my body and having me carved up in a lab with a bunch of, which is a good thing. We need people who will donate their bodies to science. I'm saying personally, I'd be way less freaked out knowing that you were filming my peaceful demise Mm -hmm. than having me as a sample for important sample, but for a sample for future doctors to be able to. For medical students. Medical students. I'm not talking about for, for the, I, I don't want to be in that show. The, you know, the plat, the show where they take all the skin off (laughs) the bodies and show them in different poses. That, that, (laughs) no, I don't need to be doing that, but. Yeah. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. There is news this week, Graham, that as Canada is preparing to legalize uh, marijuana, Mm -hmm. we know that's coming very soon. The U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency says, yeah, you know, go ahead, Canada, knock yourself out, smoke up, toke up, Mm. do all what Timothy Leary said without the LSD, but um, don't plan to be coming across the border. If you are using it, if you are working in the industry, if you are investing in the industry, if you have pretty much anything to do with the legal marijuana industry in Canada, you are not crossing our border into the United States. First of all, do you think they're? Do you think they mean this? Do you think they're being serious, or is this? Well, you you, you would think that the government of the U.S. and the government of Canada, and perhaps the state governor governments, who knows, would have ironed this out long ago. Why are we learning about this now? You would you would think that this would have been something that would have been, as you say, brought up. As they were discussing, mm. we should have known, you're right, we should have known this. Well, it doesn't sound like the, the Canadian government knows what's going on. But the people who, now, because it says if you invest, even if you invest, so you look at, for example, our mayor who says mm-hmm. this week that he, he has stocks or has shares, he's going to try and divest sure. himself of this. Yeah. But our mayor potentially could not get into the States right now mm-hmm. well, or when it becomes legal. It's, I know we are, you and I were talking about this earlier, but uh, it's also mutual funds, right? So if you have mutual funds with investments in in grow ops and that sort of thing, they are also included in this. I, How I, are you supposed to know? See, I don't have. Well, well, what, what if they ask you at the board? Do you have any investments? And they're they're talking about you know RRSPs and that sort of thing. I could not tell you what my RRSPs invest in. Well, you couldn't answer that question then. I couldn't answer the question. So does that, I don't know if that means I can't get across the border, but it's, it wouldn't, I wouldn't be obfuscating. I d- if they said, do you, do your RSP support workers in Guatemala? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I probably should be deep diving more deeply into it so I can be more, you know, good to the workers there. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know. Well, what if you're a politician, a, a federal MP who voted in favor of the uh, marijuana mm. le- legalization? What if you're the prime For- minister? What if? Are they allowed to come into to the U.S.? It's an interesting question. If they would turn away our prime minister at the border saying you are not allowed in. Because you passed the legislation, your government. Mm. Lots of questions there. Well, there are. And, and uh, again, I think your point is well made that I, 
I don't know how we didn't know this. I don't know. I don't know whose fault it is, whether it's our government's fault or the American government's fault that we didn't know this before now, because we're too far down the mm-hmm. road to mm-hmm. do anything now. Mm-hmm. And people have been investing in this, and people have been planning this and starting everything else. I, well, how, I, I think also I've heard this is like the third time it's come up in the last few months. Because the last time someone went and asked at the border, they, they went down to the Buffalo Peace Bridge and they asked an official there and the official said, ah, nah, there's no problem. You guys can come over. No problem. I remember watching that uh, on the news. And then the time before that, it was the same scenario here where people were saying, oh, no, no, it's uh, you could get busted. And I think it was after that uh, one guy who was an investor in a marijuana uh, a grow grow. Uh, industry was was given a lifetime ban. You remember that 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 guy who was uh, he was Adult. actually given a lifetime ban because he was one of the prime investors. I forget what the name is. Well, the story from the Toronto Star says thousands of Canadians have shares in cannabis companies which are publicly traded. Quote, they're investing in a completely legal industry in Canada, but it happens to be the cannabis industry. Uh, the US border agency is not specifying how much equity you would have to have. So I think the answer would be if you, if it is in your RRSP mm-hmm. as a tiny fraction of the thing, they're not going to do it. Now, the other thing is, and here's where things get really interesting, is they're not apparently going to be asking you as you cross the border, by the way, do you invest in marijuana use? <laughs> but they're giving every impression that they are going to be ratcheting up the number of drug sniffing dogs and other things. Well, if you drive your vehicle to work and you happen to work in a grow, a legal grow up or a store or whatever, Mm -hmm. I would suggest there is probably a pretty good chance some residue is going to be on your car and suddenly you are going to be pulled over and Mm -hmm. searched, sure. Searched. And if there's no drugs found, but just residue probably turned around and sent home, which means you're not getting into the States. Mm -hmm. So book your Disney trip at your risk, at your peril. I, I think we're sort of in a wild west even when it comes to discussing this between two countries. We haven't gotten the official line, I don't think. We're just we're just getting lines from different kind of officials, and I say it with the air quotes in the air. We haven't got the official line from Homeland Security. The other thing I was thinking about today was, let's say you're crossing the border uh, in British Columbia and you're going from BC into Washington state. I know Homeland Security is a federal agency, but you're going into a state that has legalized marijuana in Washington. Uh, And wait until we get legalized, like British Columbia will legalize under our federal laws. So is, is it going to be a federal the federal branch is going to start searching because Canadians are coming across British Columbia into a state that is has already legalized marijuana. It's it's going to be a lot different than say going from New York State or uh, Michigan into Ontario. I think it, it to me highlights and on this show we've talked about different issues with cannabis and legalization. We've talked about over the last number of weeks and months. We've talked about safety. We've talked about health benefits or not. We've talked about a lot of things, but. It, gives another thing that it seems as we talked about impaired driving and the problems there and the challenges. It seems like another thing that has not been sorted out before we throw open the gates and we don't know if you're, so if you're someone who is in this line of work, what are you supposed to do? Do you know? Here, here's, and here's the thing, again, going back to the star article from Tuesday, 
Prime Minister Justin Trudeau said Tuesday he does not think he has the right to press the U.S. on its admission policy. Yeah. Yeah. Every country has the right to judge who gets to come into their borders or not. I wouldn't presume to have any other country tell me how or who we can let into Canada. And I certainly wouldn't work to assume or impress upon the U.S. who they have to let in or not. Fine, but I think that you are supposed to be letting your citizens know mm-hmm. what is going to happen if they try it's to do not, this. It wasn't very helpful of the prime minister to say that. I it, would think he should be pressing to say, clarify think, for us so we know. Think. But uh, we are in different times right now with the Trump administration and the Canadian federal government. Their emphasis right now is on the free trade thing. Obviously, there's no talk whatsoever on this whole uh, pending legalization of marijuana that's coming. Maybe and it's it, being it's talked just, about. Maybe there's free trade part, of marijuana. We're, we're not prepared. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wait until that comes. Uh, but we are not prepared. And I think I think most people will, will agree that we are rushing this through. And, um, you know, it was supposed to happen July 1st. I don't It sounds like we're not going to be ready on, on October 17th for this to happen either. But, uh, you know. But it's going to. It's going to. And I will be very interested to see. There's a couple things that I'm waiting to see because and with this story, uh, there's two in particular. One of them will be the first time, and I hope this doesn't happen, but it's inevitable that it's going to, the first time somebody is killed by an intoxicated, an impaired driver who's on cannabis and the police say, we didn't have the equipment that we needed and to see how much that person sues the federal government for, for passing a law that mm-hmm. was done before people could be protected. I'm waiting for that one. Mm-hmm. And the second one is this, when someone tries to cross the border and is arrested and because they have a cannabis butt or something in their car that they forgot about when it was legal here mm-hmm. and gets after mm-hmm. the federal government for saying, you hung us out to dry. Mm-hmm. You didn't come up with some sort of deal with the border agents that yeah. based on a certain amount or a, a you know, an ash or something that we're not going to get charged. We will see. I, there's going to be, I That's don't think. the tip of the iceberg. There's so many other things that are going to come along with this whole issue as well. So. I don't think we're not going to be talking about it much. <laughs> No. Well, there, there's also the whole thing with the Ontario government. There's going to be a bunch of uh, pr- private uh, dispensaries that are going to be shut down and all the politics is going to come in. Well, how come that agency is allowed to run and you're shutting us down? It's it's going to be ugly. Well, what ugly. happens and, and what happens when the first person shows up at your, not your, but your, the bigger your, your place of work smelling of marijuana because they sure. had a joint on the way in and sure. you'll say, yeah, but there's no one says I, you know, my, my office has never had a policy that I can't have a beer at lunch. Well, what's the difference? Mm-hmm. Or nobody says I can't smoke. I have to do it outside. What's the difference? Mm-hmm. And the first time a boss tries to get rid of somebody because they sure. smell of pot. It's, it's, sure. it's unclear right now. We're going to be wandering into some, uh, some very unclear territory in the next few days. You're listening to the Scott Radley show podcast on 900 CHML. The national uh, museum of play is what it's called. It's otherwise known as a national toy museum. It sort of ties in, but there is a national toy hall of fame. Where is that? Where is it? Oh, I knew you were going to ask me that question. I will find out where it is momentarily as I'm, um, as we're doing this, but in the meantime, so that we don't just have dead air while I click around on the, uh, on the website <laughs> to find its address. Um, they have this year, their hall of fame is coming up. And for the first time ever, they have thrown out a list of toys 
one of 12 is going to be inducted and the people are choosing this mm. time. So here are the toys. I want to get your thought on which one of these should go into the National Toy Hall of Fame. American Girl Dolls. Now, yeah. with two daughters, have you ever had the American Girl experience? Yes. So that was the two weeks that you, or the month you didn't eat because I, you were so broke right. for buying we, we American spent, Girls? Yes. And did you go to Chicago to the American Girl uh, world? Absolutely. Yes, we did. And uh, we've gotten rid of all that stuff. Now, have thankfully. you? Yeah. It's apparently in Rochester, New York. Is or, or is it Rochester, Minnesota? Rochester, New York. So oh. you, it's not far. Okay. Uh, so American Girls are on the list. Chalk. <laughs> Plain old chalk. Uh, pretty basic. On, but on the road? Yeah, that's On the fine. road. That's, a, a, that's simple. Easy. You know, the best toys are sometimes, the you know, a box. I am, a, no, <laughs> listen, uh, getting back to chalk, as a cartoonist, I've done plenty of things on the road with kids. Shoots and ladders. That's boring. I, I'm kind of with you there. It's a board game with just, you know, snakes and ladders, basically, right? Yeah. Uh, Fisher Price Corn Popper. I don't even know what that is. That sounds like a new Fisher-Price kind of toy. I don't know. It sounds like it's involves heat and... No, you know what? When you mix food with, with, with toys, like remember those easy... Easy bake oven. Bake ovens. And then you put that batter in and then you get and like And there was one light bulb. It was a light bulb. <laughs> <laughs> and you get like this half-cooked cake. But it was so delicious because oh, you had made it and it was the size of a half yeah. of a hockey puck. Yeah. And it took you eight hours <laughs> to cook it. <laughs> it had actually got food poisoning <laughs> in the time because of the heat. Um, the magic eight ball. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's the one we shake and it would, that's uh, fun for about five minutes. Yeah. For the, until you get the first repeat. <laughs> Masters of the universe. Uh. So the, I would guess that would be like the, the dolls that, well, they wouldn't be dolls. Action figures that boys would use He-Man and oh, yeah. ones like that. That's after my time. Uh, I can't believe this one is not already in because this hall of fame has been around for almost 20 years now. Pinball. How could pinball not be already in the National Toy Hall of Fame? Yeah. Well, my kids, and they're under the age of 16, they love pinball. Do they? When they see a pinball machine, they're I'm surprised they've ever played. They have played, yeah, and they're bemused by it. I used to love the pinball machines. Well, sure. They're fun. But But I didn't think there were any around. I didn't think the kids under 16 now would have ever done this. No, and they probably cost like a toonie now to play one game. That's true, too. Uh, and then of course you just have it, you shoot the thing and what always happened with me, it would come right down the middle where <laughs> right. you could, you know, the first one, ping, and then it would, oh, oh, crap. Um, tic-tac-toe. Oh, I remember that. We pretty, had uh, that. You know, pretty, well, just playing a game on a, I mean, it's not Simple really times, a game. Yeah. Well, I guess, it's, yeah, it's a game. Yeah. All of yeah, it. we had it. Uh, this one, which again, I'm kind of surprised it's not in because back probably 15 years ago, this was the must have, maybe 20 years ago, the must have Christmas gift. People, I remember, were nearly committing homicide in toy stores. I'm trying to think. Tickle Me Elmo. Oh, the uh, Tickle Me Elmo craze. There were, I remember videos of that. mothers who were willing to scratch the eyes out of mm-hmm. other mothers to get their kid a Tickle Me Elmo. Because you, if nothing screams right. Christmas season, like handing over a Tickle Me Elmo while you have another woman's flesh under your fingernails. <laughs> The other one was Furby. That was Furby. Uh, Tudor Electric Football, which uh, I Is think- Is that with a handheld uh, No, game? I think that's the one that was the tabletop thing and it vibrated in the- Oh, it, okay. Uh, and Uno. Uno, oh, the, the card, card game. game. Uno. Oh, yeah. Which has never been as good as Mealborn. <laughs> 
But another card game. You ever played Mealborn? No. I oh, it's a racing card game. It's very hard to explain, but it was... Uh, so which of those? Does any one of those jump out at you as must be into the National Toy Hall of Fame? I'm just very upset. Stretch Armstrong is not on the list. Well, because I had a Stretch Armstrong and they were fun. Was that, was that up there on the list of all-time favorite toys? For me, because you could stick the thing in the freezer. It was a, it was a malleable... Uh, superhero, superhero kind of guy. guy. It was a muscle guy, like GI you could, Joe. You could pull. You could get like your brother or your sister. And you can pull as as much as you can. It would not snap. Uh, and then you could throw it in the frid, the freezer, and it would go all hard. Or you can put it in a hot water, and then it get really like really loose. And then occasionally, if you got bored, you could perform surgery on it, and all the goo would start coming. Nice. Out. Yeah. Nice. I remember the uh, $6 million man yeah. action figure yes. that you could look through the back of his head and he had the special eye. Yeah. 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 And and then you could roll up his arm and you could mm-hmm. see like the, the, the device machinery, machinery in there. Yeah. All right. Well, very quickly, I'm not going to go through all of these, but here are some of the other things that are already inducted. Uh, by the way, I am um, looking at that one. I, I, pinball to me is the one that I'm thinking it has to be in there. Pinball. National Toy Hall of Fame. Pinball was for... How many years was pinball the thing? Uh, you go uh, to the that pinball. Ruled. That ruled it probably really for did. a good 40 years, 50 years. Yeah. Oh, and I forgot sled. A sled. Oh, a well, that's sled. another one though. A sled kind of is. Some of them are pretty simple though. Like, but uh, that's the idea. It's so basic. It's so. Is, um, is tic-tac, you said tic-tac-toe. tic-tac-toe. Is that just the thing that you do on paper? Yeah. Or yeah. It's, just it's a not game. the one that, you know, there's the one with the bean bag, right? Where you can toss mm. the bean bag yeah, and then I, it moves. I don't think they're talking about that. That's I, what I was thinking of. I think they're just uh, speaking of the game by itself. I wonder how long tic-tac-toe has been around though. That's probably been around since caveman days. I would expect. There's probably on walls somewhere. There are games of tic-tac-toe that are drawn up there. Whenever I draw a prison scene, there's always (laughs) (laughs) tic-tac-toe. How often do you draw prison scenes? Oh, you know, it comes up. (laughs) (laughs) So here here are some of the things that have already been inducted. There have been 65 toys Mm -hmm. inducted into the National Toy (laughs) Hall of Fame. Alphabet blocks, Lego, Lincoln logs, Atari 2600 game system, uh, it says baby doll. I'm assuming that means like a baby doll, not like a mm-hmm. lingerie baby doll. <laughs> An inflatable one. Maybe. That would be a yeah, totally, that's a different museum. <laughs> yeah. Entirely <laughs> different museum. <laughs> well, we can visit that one later. Um, I love this one. One of the things that was inducted and it took 10, it took 11 years for a ball to be inducted into the game and toy hall of fame. A ball. Like, Just a ball. Other than tic-tac-toe on walls with cavemen, I would think a ball would I think, be. I think a ball came before tic-tac-toe. It might have, but ball took it took years. Uh, mm-hmm. Barbie, uh-huh. Little Green Army Men, Marbles, Monopoly, Bicycle, mm-hmm. Bubbles, Mr. Potato Head, Nintendo Game Boy, Big Wheel. Oh, love oh, the, the big, big wheel. wheel. Yeah. Never had a big wheel. Tearing down a, a big long hill on a big wheel was fun. Never had a big wheel. Friends had a big wheel. Always mm-hmm. wanted the big wheel. Yeah, yeah. Rode the big wheel whenever I could get a chance to oh, ride yeah. the big wheel. Yeah. All plastic with the plastic wheels. Yeah, I think that ride would have been way more comfortable if it had been inflatable. Yeah. <laughs> As opposed to... <laughs> it wasn't very comfortable. And I think the latter uh, models came with a brake, a handbrake. So you'd spin out. But the that, but of that the was the good part of the plastic wheel because yeah. you could skid them. Yeah. And then hope and and you were low enough that you generally wouldn't topple over. <laughs> um, uh, paper airplane, Play-Doh, playing cards, a cardboard box. There you go. A cardboard bo- that was fun. You know, you get an appliance in the house, and then you could uh, turn take, it into take whatever the box, 
and you could mark all kinds of things on it and roll down a hill. That, that was yeah, the time. Well, that, that yeah, t- or it could be a time machine, or it could be a sure a home or a Ford sure, or whatever. Yep, sure. Play-Doh. I said playing cards, puppet, radio flyer wagon, uh, checkers, chess, Clue. Oh, do you ever play Clue? Yeah, Clue. Um, yeah, but Professor it's, Plum did yeah. it with the rope in the study. It was a bit too much, though. I, I liked Risk, if you mm, wanted to talk about Loved Risk. Risk. I wonder if Risk is game. on here. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Risk is not on here. Ri- what about Yahtzee? Yahtzee is like a good dice game. Okay, hold on. We'll get to Yahtzee. We'll see if Yahtzee's there in a I'm, second. I actually but have it on my, my phone. I played See, that Risk the was the one that I remember with my friends Ward and Ted in the summer times, you would start a game of Risk and it would take days. Oh, yeah. It was like a game of cricket. Yeah. Yeah. It would take days. And the key to risk was always to capture Kamchatka because it was yeah. the connector yeah. to the two worlds. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, uh, when I, in my university days, I used to play with a, a, a few guys and, uh, and actually we had a reunion a, f- a few years back and the, and the one guy, he's a lawyer in Paris and he invited us to go and play a game of risk and in France. And I went. And you played Risk in France. For, and I was there for a weekend and I played Risk. Sipping with a Chablis while you yes. were overlooking. In Normandy, actually. Oh, and it, wow. And we played, we played one night of, of Risk games. It was, it was hilarious. Crayola Crayons, Raggedy Ann and Andy inducted separately, by the way. I guess there's trouble in paradise in the Raggedy family. Uh. <laughs> Ann went in first in 2002. Andy had to wait till 2007 and he's yeah. very bitter about it. <laughs> Uh, roller skates, rocking horse, rubber duck, Rubik's cube. Oh, Rubik's cube. The Rubik's cube. Has to be. I mean. Did you ever master that? No, I could get one side. <laughs> I could get one. And my dad, and I've told this story on the air before, my dad, who might actually be listening right now, one summer he decided we were going up to the cottage. We went up for two weeks in the summer when I was a kid that he was going to put himself in his room and not come out till he'd figured out this stupid <laughs> Rubik's cube. And I don't know if it was a couple days or three days or four. He'd come out for meals. That was mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and suddenly he emerges with it done. Come on. And I still, to this day, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt that he actually f- solved it because he's a very bright man. But you know, you can pull that thing apart. But that was the, <laughs> but there was always the possibility <laughs> that he got so tired of being in this <laughs> self-imposed exile that he finally just <laughs> snapped it all apart, put it back together and said, fine, I'm done. Got uh, the stupid thing. Uh, Don't ask me to ever do it again. We all played that trick. Come on. Or, uh, yeah. Uh, what else we got in here? Scrabble, Silly Putty, Skateboard, Slinky, uh, Dollhouse, Dominoes, Yo-Yo, Dungeons and Dragons, Easy Bake Oven is on there, as mm-hmm. you said, Etch-A-Sketch, Erector Set, Fisher Price, Star Wars Action Figures. This is my favorite one. A stick. A stick. A stick. It's the oldest toy, they say, in right. the world. A stick. From rural Pennsylvania, a stick. <laughs> <laughs> Probably from anywhere. Huh. Frisbee, Life, Game of Life. That's a great one. Teddy Bear, Tinker Toy, Tonka Trucks. Uh, here's a little Is known. Is Monopoly just a ba- uh, Monop- uh, Yes, Monopoly it was. Hula Hoop, Jack in the Box. A uh, little known fact about Tonka Trucks, back when I was probably six, five, hmm. I was a model in the Simpsons catalog for Tonka Trucks. Is that right? Yep. yep. My, one, my one attempt at modeling. Yeah. which is way better than the guy who went to school with us who had one attempt at modeling and he was probably about 13 and modeled tiny or uh, tidy whities yeah. He modeled brief underwear <laughs> and someone Briefly. got a copy of these and put them all oh, up around no. the school and that was the end of his reputation. Yeah, that would hurt. Um, Jack in the Box, a uh, game of Twister. Oh, that's a good one. 
Do you know what was a good game? Was uh, it was called Mousetrap? Mousetrap. Yes, absolutely. You wouldn't actually ever play it. You just like put it together and like put the marbles through and see what happened. Well, the one game, and that was a great game, although it took forever to set up. Yeah, but it, that's that's it. I never ever actually played it. I just wanted to see what it looked like. You know what's not on here, and I'm really surprised would not be in the Hall of Fame, is Jenga. 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 You know the, the thing where you stack up and you have to pull out the pieces of wood and if the thing falls over on right. you? Right. I thought Jenga would be on here. Wiffle ball, view master, jump rope, jigsaw puzzle, jacks, and a kite. Mm-hmm. Well, what about... Kerplunk or headache with no the, uh, Kerplunk is another good one. Uh, yeah, the uh, uh, Popomatic trouble. Not right, trouble, trouble, trouble. No, trouble is not. There's also headache. There's another one, the one where you you pulled out the um, the, the the sticks. Yeah, Kerplunk. The Kerplunk. Yeah. yeah. Is that is that? Not on. Not, no, that there is work to be done at this Hall of Fame. Let I me think tell so. you, there is. I mean, in the span of five minutes here, we've probably come up with ten more that uh, right that need to be in there, and so. But you know what? All these things, I, I bet you that, and it, here's the thing. I bet you that of all the ones we just read, I probably at one time or another played with or had, or my sister played with 80%. Right. Right. And I just wonder now if you were born from say 2000 on, mm-hmm. how many of these you would have played with, or is it going to be- I don't know. It, the toy store- Game Boy. It, the toy store it, is a thing of the past too. You don't no. really, you don't have the toy stores. You have- you know, a section of, 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 uh, Walmart or, or yeah, Walmart. But everything's now going to be video games. Yeah. I had Xbox. Everything is apps. Yeah. Apps and and Xbox, as opposed to actual. Like things that you could physically handle. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from six to eight on 900 CHML.